Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio. Scott Cahill, a.k.a. The Hip Check, as we're going to break down all things L.A. Kings on the one, the only, the original, uncensored, unedited L.A. Kings podcast you've come to know for all these years, L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio, and we are starting off the second uh, half of the season on the right note as the Kings uh, blank the Dallas Stars three to nothing, and we're going to spend the next hour or so doing nothing but talking L.A. Kings hockey, breaking down the game, and uh, oh, so much more. And uh, here to help me, none other than Cali Sports NHL editor. Uh, What a huge Kings fan, given that the guy is admired in the wastelands of uh, the Maple Leaf-centric Toronto suburbs, but he's dedicated his life to being an L.A. Kings fan and here to help me break it all down, none other than Mr. Jeff Duarte. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Hip check, long time no speak. I haven't been on the show for a while uh, due to other commitments and work and scheduling and stuff. So I am pumped to not only talk about the Kings' performance tonight in the game against Dallas, and not only to, you know, I'm happy about the results of the All-Star game that happened on Sunday, but I'm also just happy to be back talking hockey with you hip on Ella king's road talk radio jd Stouse has finally come back home <laughs> well the honor is actually anybody listening to this podcast we always love to have you and breaking down some la king's hockey and uh got a lot to talk about uh, as you mentioned the pacific winning the all-star games uh performance of darcy kemper uh, just to name but a few uh, just a, a really great team effort for the Kings tonight all around. Uh, we got our three stars. We got uh, some uh, NHL LA Kings memories that we're going to share and uh, even talk about uh, the upcoming schedule and really go around the NHL. It was a big night in the NHL, and as we go to the NHL scoreboard, uh, we'll probably have some uh, some finals and uh, shaking out uh, for the most part. Uh, some Kings getting a little bit of help, but we'll break that down 
a little bit later. But let's go ahead and uh, get started uh, on tonight's game. Uh, really, it was uh, just a very solid effort all the way around. Really, uh, Jim Fox said it best. He said it was uh, there was times where they were able to roll four lines, doing a lot of quick shifts, and uh, for that most part, because they were doing quick shifts and being able to roll four lines. Uh, Kings never looked gassed. It looked like, I mean, really, this was just a, a sustained 60-minute effort where there was never any letdown. I mean, every line had energy. Every line was making good decisions with the puck. Every line was uh, was contributing in some way or the other. And any time uh, a coach has that luxury of uh, being able to get a little bit of a lead and, once again, be comfortable with throwing out that fourth line there and spelling uh, the top sixers, uh, you got to feel confident your team's going to win. Yeah, absolutely, Hip. And it's uh, they should be rested. The Kings should be rested. I think this, in, in my opinion at least, if it's not the best 60-minute performance they have done this season, it's one of them, and it's uh, the best one we've seen in a while, where um, everybody was click click and like you said they're rolling the four lines and we have not really been seeing that this year and to see them do that especially after coming off what was it a six game losing streak and the reason why they shouldn't they shouldn't be tired they should be rested they should be playing is that the Kings had pretty much three breaks in a month or within the last five weeks when you consider the holiday break and then coming back from that. And then they had their bye week and they didn't play for a whole week and then coming back from that. And now they just had the all-star break week where most of them got rest, except of course for uh, Kopitar and Dowdy who were represented at the all-star game. So really they should be rested, but it's also hard not to build any momentum uh, when you don't have to play when there's so many, you know, you have to wait a week or whenever for your next game because of all these breaks that the had, but after having a six-game losing streak where it did at times look like the sky was falling in the kingdom, even though the last few losses of that streak, the king actually didn't play that bad. They just didn't get the luck to score the, you know, against Anaheim. Like, it was a very close game against Anaheim. They ended up losing, but they could have just as easily, easily have won that game, and the streak would not have gone to six games. So right now, the Kings now are looking at winning what, two games in a row and three out of the last four, how the tide quickly turns in this wonderful sport we love and hate and love and hate at the same time, the sport of hockey. So the Kings looked fantastic today, total team effort. Everyone seemed to be on their game. Um, it was my, this, Right now I'm saying this was their best 60-minute performance that I had seen in some time, uh, definitely my favorite for this season so far. Absolutely. Hard to, hard to disagree. And, uh, you know, as we, uh, before we even get down to the individual performances, uh, let's really start with, with Kemper. I mean, Kemper just super solid tonight, had to had made the big saves when he had to, but really looked in control the entire game. And, you know, we talked about this during the skid, Jeff, uh, you know, and we questioned a little bit if quick, we had a nagging energy, uh, uh, nagging injury, uh, that was preventing him from being 100%. We argued this. Why did they not play Kemper? It's not like he hasn't been a solid player because he has been amazing. He has been the player we were kind of hoping Jeff uh, Zatkoff was going to be last season. And then some. I mean, he is putting up some gaudy, gaudy numbers this season for the Kings. So 
as I see his performance tonight, you just really, I, you know, as obviously we love the Kings and whatnot, but it just, it just begs really the question, you know, if quick was a little bit injured, why were they, I don't understand why they were so reticent uh, to go to, to go to Kemper, given that his stats have been great. Yeah. I, I don't know. If, if Daryl Sutter was still the head coach of this team, then it would just be one of those, oh, it's Sutter being stubborn, you know. He, he just loves yeah. to ride his number one goalie, and he always has in his entire career as a head coach. But since Sutter's not there and it's John Stevens, that really caught me off guard that out of nowhere, now Quick all of a sudden is injured, yet he's been playing this whole time, and he's, now he's not going to the All-Star game so he can get that rest because of the injury. And it's like, where did this all come from? Because it pretty much came randomly out of nowhere. And if he is hurt, then, yeah, why aren't you putting Darcy Kemper in there? Because when the Kings picked up Kemper this offseason, all of us here on the show thought that was a very good and intelligent pickup by GM Rob Blake. Uh, way better than, say, when they had Enroth not that long ago. Zakhoff, as you mentioned, who I, I think he's with Columbus. I don't know. I don't really care. Uh, he's out there somewhere. Nice guy. Super nice guy. But just it just did not work out, unfortunately. And uh, but we have Darcy Kemper, who's been just playing fantastic and does not play a lot. As per usual, Quick gets the majority of the games. But uh, for Stevens, not to put him in there because Quick is hurt and not protect quick in his injury really, really shocks me even. So I don't know what the, uh, what the thinking, what the strategy behind that really was, but be as it may, Darcy Kemper was in today. Of course, Jonathan Quick injured. He's on injured reserve, but also suspended for this game for not participating in the All-Star game. You're, uh, the NHL doesn't like it when you step down unless you truly are injured, and this injury came so late that uh, – Quick still gets a suspension, like instead of, uh, you know, usually Danito gets a heads up and then they get the next guy ready and it turned out to be Mike Smith. This really was handled very strangely, but it is what it is. And it worked out well because Darcy Kemper was absolutely outstanding today, as he has been all season. I mean, his uh, second shutout of the year, uh, tw- perfect 28 saves from 28 shots, and he always looked cool and calm. And even when Dallas, you know, started getting a lot of power plays in the second period and so forth, he never seemed like he didn't have anything, like, not under control. Kemper was always under control today. So, yeah, he's just been fantastic, and they should trust him. A guy who was 7-1 and one with a 190 goals against average, two shutouts, and a 939 save percentage in 14 games. Yeah, you can trust that guy. You can trust Quick, and now you can trust Kemper, and that's the one-two punch the Kings have lacked since uh, Martin Jones left for Boston and San Jose. So Darcy Kemper, yeah, it, he's just proven us right from what me, you, and Augie were talking about before the season started, that what a fantastic pickup the Kings did, picking up Darcy Kemper. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, funny you mentioned that, the uh, All-Star Game thing. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux was already complaining tonight about uh, – Jones on Columbus who had sat out the all-star game, but was playing tonight. And so you can go read a little bit about that. Some uh, other NHL news there, but really just a solid effort. And, you know, the other thing too, even before we break down the game, they showed it a little bit tonight, uh, Jeff Carter skating around during uh, practice. And uh, once again, I don't think he was doing a full practice. He wasn't doing a, a full warm up. It was the morning skate. Uh, but once again, 
as we talked about, geez, if they could just hang in there and, and turn it around like they were playing beginning of the season and then get the clearance for Carter to come back right when we're about a month in the playoffs. I mean, I just can't literally think of almost a better scenario for the Kings as they head into the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be he's going to be the uh the element that turns the tide that the Kings need. And of course, Jeff Carter's been out for some time. Only played what, 6 games this season so far before getting the uh, lacerated ankle tendon injury. Um he is going to be rusty when he gets back, but once he gets his legs going and, you know, shakes off the rust and everything and gets into uh mid-season form where the Kings are hopefully entering and should be entering the playoffs. That's a dangerous Jeff Carter to have for the opposing teams. And that to me just gets me excited because he is getting closer and closer to coming back and playing. And I believe today with his practice, uh, he played full equipment at least. There's no contact or anything, but it's getting step-by-step closer and closer to the Kings getting Jeff Carter back. And man, I cannot wait to have El Jefe back because we need him. We need him for his leadership. We need him for his offensive abilities. We need him for his defensive abilities because the man does it all because it's Jeff Carter. And it's almost like we were saying about earlier in the season when Marion Gabrick was injured before he came back. And then when he did come back, it was almost as if the Kings had traded for Gabrick, like it was 2014 all over again. And Gabrick went on really that hot streak and then has disappeared since then. As per Gabrick, that's nor- that, that's normally what he does, anyways, you know. But Carter's a totally different player and much more reliable, consistent player than Gabrick. That once Carter gets going, once he shakes off the rust, we know what he can do, right? So uh, that is super exciting. The fact that the Kings are still where they are, despite the losing streak they had recently, despite the fact that they are, they've done it all without Jeff Carter, and that blows my mind. And they've done it with so yeah. many young kids, like an Iowa follow. In his rookie year, you know, Amadio, Bradzinski, uh, Ledoux's back. You know, they had McDermott, all these young kids playing, and the Kings were still finding ways of doing it. Now they're finding ways to win again. That, yeah, Jeff Carter goes in there, the turn gets tied hip, and for the better. Absolutely. And don't forget, too, uh, the play of Adrian Kempe. You know, as I was watching Kempe tonight, uh, Absolutely. you can see just the – the defensive he's just now, I mean, he's clearly better de- defensively. His his ability to hit that responsibility and know his man. And that's really, the, I think, I think he's kind of the wild card because he, I think he benefits the most because he has really been the beneficiary of the Carter injury. He has gotten acclimated to the NHL speed. He's gotten confidence, uh, you know, obviously 14, 15 goals on the season and uh, when he, when when Carter comes back, now you can slot Kempe a little bit more creatively. You know what I mean? You know you can trust him. You know he's got that uh, the mojo at the NHL level. And uh, Carter comes back now. All of a sudden, you can get a little creative. Where uh, once again, you might now be able to slot Kempe to Carter's wing, uh, keep Toffoli up with Kopitar if you wanted to. You know you have all sorts of options now with that speed of Kempe, with Carter returning, uh, that, that, I mean, John Stevens, he just has to be happy as shit now because literally you've got a wild card winger in Kempe that you know could play center if he needs to. And once again, you know you could slot him anywhere on those first top, uh, you know, any, anywhere on the first three lines and you have that confidence where he's not going to hurt you. 
Yeah, definitely. And the reason why I didn't even bring up Adrian Kempe's name with the other young guys is because I don't even consider Kempe anymore an American Hockey League player. To me, he's already a bona fide NHL player. And for all those reasons that you listed, so Kempe's already one of the boys. He's not one of those guys that's going to get sent down and be part of that revolving door that, that, that's been happening uh, not as much now at, at the later part of the season, but has been happening a lot in the season where players are going up and down from Ontario. Kempe doesn't count. He's already a regular member of this roster, and my mind already has him as a set player on this roster, so I don't include him with the other guys. The other guys are still competing for at least a spot on the team, and when Carter comes back, obviously there's going to be a spot that somebody's going to lose, but it won't be Adrian Kempe. He might obviously lose that second line, center line, but as you mentioned, could go on the wing. You know, he could go play on the third line and play on the top line. John Stevens now can play more with his toys, his Ellie King's toys, and, and reconfigure everything because he'll finally have his full squad back. I mean, especially when Forber comes back too, but at least offensively he'll get everyone that he needs back that's important to the team, that is crucial to the team to move forward, hit that playoffs, and then try to make some type of run. You need Jeff Carter to do that. And Adrian Kempe, if he's on that team too, it's only like, double the strength because Kempe has shown that like if you look at Kempe now and you compare compared to how he played in his real rookie year which was last year um, because that's when he first played as in a regular basis with the Kings it's night and day how he adapted to the NHL level because he has now fully adapted to that NHL level so Adrian Kempe he's already uh, one of the regulars Kemp. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. And uh, let's go ahead and get to it and break down the game because uh, we could just sit here and talk for the whole time if we wanted to, but I guess let's get this uh, show <laughs> on the road. Uh, Kings opened up the scoring, uh, 3.05 into the game. Uh, Paul Ledoux, his first NHL goal, uh, sixth, count him number sixth, uh, Kings rookie to score his first goal. Uh, rookie rookie game pretty impressive there not often that you see that many rookies able to score their first NHL goal uh, on a team especially one that's still in a playoff spot you know teams that are on the bottom of the barrel you don't uh, you know you're rotating a lot of players hoping for anything to happen but pretty rare to have uh, that many rookie scorers in one season being shuttled up and down and whatnot but uh, really let's be honest uh while it was a beautiful wrist shot from Ledoux and really highlights everything, the reason the Kings wanted to bring him up. I mean, that play was really the the microcosm of why the Kings drafted Ledoux and what they saw in him. But let's be honest, uh, Jeff, uh, this play was all really 100% uh, at the hands of Kopitar. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what I like about this goal is that Kopitar is not even – Kopitar, of course, had perfect puck possession uh, to create the scoring opportunity, which led to, of course, the first goal. But Kopitar is behind the net with the puck, and he's taking his time just skating around the rim within the offensive zone to the point where he actually deked out two Dallas uh, defensemen without really deking them out at, at a very comfortable pace. That's Kopitar. So he wasn't like he was jetting on his skates trying to, you know, deke everybody out. He did it at a very uh, slow but super controlled pace and just keeping that puck possession 
that it was almost so slow enough. Like it was like the Dallas players were in a trance and they all just started like, <laughs> like he, they were the mice and he was the Pied Piper yeah. and they were following him because he's playing the music on the flute or on whatever. Right. So Kopitar <laughs> goes up to the point and then skates right through the Dallas defenseman. And then he draws another Dallas player. So there's three players pretty much on Kopitar opens up the ice for all, you know, the other Kings players who are now not being covered. One of them, of course, Paul would do. So right there, that was all Kopitar just setting, that, setting all of that up. And why Dallas wasn't more aggressive on that play, I don't know. But props to Kopitar for not giving up that puck, getting the puck right to Paul Ledoux. And we've got to give credit also to Alex Iafalo, where Ledoux saw Iafalo was heading towards the net to screen former Kings goaltender Ben Bishop that Ludu had enough time, and because I guess the entire Dallas team, including the coach, were all covering Kopitar, right? Everyone paid attention to Kopitar. Uh, Ludu just wide open. He actually waited, 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 and once I follow was in the way, you know, perfect shot, wristed it, sniped it into the net for his first goal in his NHL career. There were a lot of moving parts going on with this goal. It was a beautiful goal to see, so props to Paul Ledoux. But, yeah, it all started with Andre Kopitar opening up that ice for him, and again, uh, it was you, hip check before we were on the show here. You were mentioning that um, Paul really uh, should give Kopitar a stick. He should, uh, you know, take him to a good <laughs> restaurant, and the steak is on him for setting up that goal. But I want to say that I think I'll follow at least deserves some fries from that steak meal. Just throw him a couple <laughs> of fries for getting in front of the net, you know, and getting in front of Bishop, who's a big dude, as we know, former king for like, I don't know, a second, um, to get that goal in there. So really, again, teamwork from those three players to get that done. And, uh, yeah, congrats, Ledoux. But, Kopitar, you're the man. Absolutely. And, you know, let's talk about Iafalo because as I was watching uh, his play tonight, uh, once again, provided Iafalo has that compete level and provided he is going for it like he has been, uh, he's going to be a solid NHL player. I mean, has the – have the points really been there to his liking? Uh, probably not. You know, he's got 14 points in 47 games, four goals on the season. Uh, you know, nothing to write home about. But his effort and uh, just that, that drive and the compete level where he's always, you know, always lifting other player sticks. He's always going for it. He never takes off. And I was watching him, and I was just thinking, he could really be a player that literally – he tops out as a 10-goal, 30-point guy, literally, just because if he plays with that effort and that drive and that level of competition where he is just that buzzsaw that never gives up, he is going to be a wildly successful NHL, or even if he doesn't put up, can put up that kind, kind of points. I mean, really, if the way he plays, if he ends up being a 20-20 guy, you hit a home run just with the way he plays because he keeps the opposing team honest. He, he, he creates stuff out of nothing just through sheer effort. And there's just, you cannot put a price tag on that type of player. No, uh, if is just completely fearless, fearless. And we're seeing why John Stevens had trust in him where this kid makes the Kings roster right out of camp and like who could predict that? I know I did not see that coming. I mean, he he was playing great in the preseason, but it's like, what are the odds? Because Daryl Sutter's the coach, 
Iafalo's not making this team right away out of train out of training camp out of the preseason. But one thing I like to tell people because I recently got into a debate with a couple of Toronto Maple Leaf fans at work that uh, I was telling them about Alex Iafalo, and you know we're looking at the stats and stuff, and they're looking at his stats and they're like, "What? Well, this kid only has like four goals in in forty something games. He only has fifteen points, or at the time of uh, fourteen points because he got a point today." you know, in 40-plus games, like, he doesn't seem very good. And I'm like, no, guys, you don't understand. To fully appreciate what Alex Iafalo brings to this team and brings to the game and help the Kings wins, it, it, it's not with goals and assists. It's it's something completely different. Yeah, there's no, you know, quantifiable stats for particular things that he does on that ice. And to fully appreciate it, you have to be there live and just watch him play a shift and how he goes out there and how he battles. And he'll get right in the crease. He'll go right into the corners. He will extend his arm just to tip that puck uh, just one little inch just to get it to his teammates so the, so the opposing defensemen don't clear the zone. Um, he, he'll get in people's faces and they could be waving their sticks or their elbows. He doesn't care. He's getting in there. And, yeah, like he plays like he's fearless. But how do you explain that to people? who uh, don't watch yeah. the Kings on a regular basis, they look at his stats and they're like, what, really? Like, he, he actually doesn't like doesn't look really good at all if you base it on his numbers. He's definitely not a, a Calder candidate. And it's like, no, guys, I'm telling you, the next time that the Kings come to Toronto, come with me to the game, we're going to watch you follow. Um, just watch a whole shift because he just gives her. He just gives her. He's off, comes back out, he just gives her. That's why this kid has been playing on the top line for the majority of the season, playing with Andre Kopitar for the majority of the season. Now he's been moved around a little bit more recently, but today back on that top line with Andre Kopitar, and they do that for a reason because he's out there and he's busting his ass, and he might not be getting the results uh, uh, statistically, but, hey, like the Paul Ledoux goal, he's the one getting in front of the net and trying to block the 10-foot-10 10 10 Bishop, right? That's what he does. And that's why he's so important if you want to have a winning team. You need those type of players that are all heart. And you know what? He's a rookie. His, his stats might go up as the years go by. And, uh, you know, he gets more experience playing at the NHL level. But he's definitely a player that I, I recommend anyone just watch him. Don't watch anybody else. Watch for a couple of shifts, and that's when the, the light bulb goes off on the top of your head, and you're like, wow, now I get it. Why Alex Iafalo is so important to the LA Kings and why he's having the year that he is having. And if I could have my way, he would be a Calder Trophy candidate for Rookie of the Year, but <laughs> probably not going to happen because the NHL, they're in love with stats and stats only. They're not going to count his, you know, the, the other uh, attributes and, and variables that he brings to the game and the team. But I follow, you know what, I already have an, uh, uh, an I follow jersey because I'm already that much of a fan. So he, I fully trust him. Absolutely. It's almost like uh, Tony Granato style, that badger on the ice that uh, never gives up. Yeah, uh, nice. Tony Granato, maybe minus the finish there, if you want to give a, a comparison. All right, moving into the second period, uh, it was Drew Doughty on the power play, his eighth of the season, assisted by Kopitar and Muzzin. Originally, uh, really just a strange goal where Doughty was able to get it on net. And once again, the old adage applies, you you can't score if you don't shoot. And uh, Doughty, just a good hard shot, went on net. Uh, it looked like uh, Bishop 
kind of lost track of it. There was a, a little commotion with Brown there causing some havoc in front of the net. And uh, Bishop, I don't know if he lost his balance or what happened, but uh, didn't control it. It trickled into the net. Doubt he got his eighth. What did you see on that goal, Jeff? What I saw, Hip, that I was very happy that Ben Bishop decided to play like how he played with the LA Kings last year. So that made me really happy because he's not wearing, he's not wearing a Kings jersey this year. So it's like, okay, good. It's not just us. He can have those bad games, you know, outside of Tampa Bay for somebody else, not, not, not just with us because he, he, he wasn't very good with the Kings. But, uh, yeah, uh, one thing I found very, um, I guess, Commit, uh, funny was you know Drew Doughty was at the All Star Weekend and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this later and everything. He was part of the skills competition and he didn't do very well and it bothered him. He laughed it off in interviews, but you can tell it bothered him, which is why he was trying to score so hard in the actual All Star game. And when the before he scored this goal, of course the Kings were on the power play. I believe it was Radulov that took the penalty for uh, holding Drew's stick, so it draws a penalty and if. Before uh, Drew even got that goal, he was slap shotting the uh, the puck like his life depended on it. Like it was a slap shot after slap shot. And when do we see Dowdy constantly be stubborn? He just wants to do a slap shot, so he slapped it over here, missed the net. He slapped it over there, and everyone ducks for their lives. And then finally, on the one that counts, <laughs> go goes right to the net and ends up going into the net. So not sure if Bishop lost his balance or not. There was a little bit of a debate. Wonder if maybe Dustin Brown, who was in front of the net, maybe deflected the puck uh, into the net. Maybe he had, uh, you know, changed the course of direction of the puck, which maybe fooled Ben Bishop. It was really hard to see, uh, at least from, from what I saw here with the slow motion uh, replays and everything. Uh, it looks like Dustin Brown actually didn't touch the puck. It was Drew Doughty's goal. But what confused uh, Ben Bishop, I'm not 100% sure. But if you, if you want, if, you, if anyone here, even the listener, if you rewatch that replay with Doughty, look at the two Dallas defensemen that were, I guess, covering Dustin Brown. Again, uh, one extra guy covering another Kings player when he shouldn't. Just like with the Kopitar and Paul Ledoux thing, uh, Brown just drawing people to him. And there was even a, a, a Dallas defenseman behind Ben Bishop in the crease, and he looked all confused. And it was like almost like a, I'm going to be sure on my age, but like a Benny Hill comedy. And for those of you that remember <laughs> Benny Hill, you know what I'm talking about because you're hearing the music in your head, the theme song right now as I mention that. And that's what <laughs> Dallas reminded me of. But but we'll take it, right? Because Drew Doughty, he wanted to score that goal. And Drew Doughty obviously is an elite superstar in the NHL where he might not do well, you know, in some silly little, you know, skills competition game, which doesn't really mean anything because he's the type of player that when the pressure is on the line and he's got people coming after him trying to take the puck, trying to hurt him, you know, trying to prevent him and his team from winning, Drew Doughty is a winner. He's going to find a way to win this game. And he, he was so determined to get that puck in the net. That's exactly exactly what he did so uh yeah maybe maybe ben bishop was just uh, mesmerized by the brilliance that is drew doughty <laughs> well said and uh, i can confirm when you made the benny hill reference that song actually <laughs> did play in my head so touche uh, <laughs> and uh in ending uh ending the scoring for the la kings alec martinez his fifth of the season uh, just one minute uh, into the third period, really good forward push uh, by Tanner Pearson and Tori Mitchell. Uh, they were applying some good pressure, good, hard, strong forecheck. And uh, much like uh, much like the 
somewhat soft, uh, debatably soft, uh, dowdy goal. I think the Martinez goal was probably even softer where, uh, even though it was a good forecheck, board, uh, puck just tripled up the boards. Martinez grabs it, rips it, finds a home, and, and that was it. I think I think a lot of people were stunned that that was actually a goal, right, Jeff? Yeah, uh, definitely, because it came off like Tory Mitchell had an excellent opportunity to, to bank that shot. But we know that, you know, Tory Mitchell's not going to score a lot of goals for the Kings. He wasn't brought on to the Kings to be scoring goals, but it, and they were so close. And I don't remember who almost got the rebound. I want to say Pearson, but I could be incorrect, but the Kings almost just scored in that play. And then the goal that actually ended up in the net scoring uh, gave me a, a pattern or a theme that was happening in this game. And it reminded me when I was a kid and when I played hockey, I remember my coach always telling us like, if you're covered and you can't, you know, you're in the offensive zone and you're covered and you can't see your teammates and you just can't, you can't really make a play, just get that puck to the net. Just shoot it towards the net. Whether it's a hard shot or a weak shot, just get that puck towards the net because you never know what's going to happen. It could take a bounce. It could be deflected. You know, so many things could happen. But what's the worst that can happen? The goalie makes a save. And that's exactly what Alec Martinez did. And Drew Doughty just made that shot. And Paul Ledoux just did the shot. Just shoot at the net. This one, of course, strange because he's along the boards, like halfway through the offensive zone and shot it from such an angle. And again, Bishop looking confused and definitely looking frustrated after that goal because he put his arms up in the air and just smashed him back down on the ice. And his defenseman looked a little scared because you don't want to make the giant mad. You never want to make a giant <laughs> mad. But, but it Absolutely. went in the net, and that's just and that's the thing. Like, Mar- Amart, he just decided, you know what, I'm just going to put out the net. What's the worst that can happen? Hey, look, best-case scenario – Puck went in the net, 3 nothing Kings. And when it's 2 nothing Kings, again, you know, I am a long-time diehard Kings fan, and I tend to have my superstitions and, you know, old habits die hard and stuff. That when the Kings have a 2 nothing lead, I don't feel safe because it's the worst lead in hockey. But once Martinez banked it in, I was good. The fact that it happened a minute and five after the third period started, after the Kings just finished killing that bogus Dustin Brown penalty that he got at the end of the second period – even more bonus just shows how this team is scoring from different people throughout the team, playing as a team, 60 minute performance, as we mentioned earlier in the show. And uh, Martinez's goal is 100% proof of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, just a little fun uh, with uh, numbers here tonight, kind of unusual tonight. All three defensemen scored uh, the goals tonight. Uh, something you don't see that often, but uh, maybe a little bit more quirky. Uh, almost all the goals was, goals were scored within the first five minutes of each period. So Paul Ledoux scored about the 3:05 mark uh, of the first. Dowdy at the 5:09 of the second, and then Martinez with the 1:05 point of the third period. And you know, let's be honest too, Jeff. I think that probably has a little bit of a of an effect on the psyche of uh, the Dallas Stars. You know, really, you're starting a game. You're hoping to get off to a good, strong part. You know, start. So much of the game is momentum, and when the Kings once again score right in that first period, it can kind of shake a little bit of the strategy for maybe a fragile team. Uh, you know, and the Kings are an example of that, given that they hadn't scored the first goal in ages. And uh, and then two in the second period, uh, Dallas tries to regroup, comes out, puts on a little bit of push. Uh, Kings come out and score to make it two to nothing. After that, Kings battled, uh, both teams battled really hard. It was a pretty even game as far as four-check shots, et cetera, et cetera. 
Then the third period, you know, Hitchcock was wanting the, the, the Dallas to come out and play more aggressive and try to maybe take the game over. But alas, Martinez scores just one minute into the game. And now all of a sudden they're down three to nothing. And once again, never really got anything going after that. So just kind of funny how, uh, how the games break down. Uh, just to go ahead and give you some of the stats for the game before we keep uh, doing, doing our three stars and some other uh, hockey talk. Kings out shooting the Dallas Stars 42-28. to 28. Uh, Penalty minutes, 8-6. to six. Of course, you mentioned the cheesy Dustin Brown penalty, but I digress. Uh, Dallas out hitting uh, the Kings tonight. Uh, but for giveaways, here's a telling stat. Dallas with 12 giveaways on the night. Count them, 12 giveaways. Kings with only one. Great puck protection for the Kings. Uh, four takeaways uh, for the Kings, only one by Dallas, really. When you when you lose the giveaway battle and the takeaway battle, uh, it kind of speaks volumes of uh, how the game's gone for you. Uh, faceoffs, Kings won 36 of 32, led by Kopitar, who was actually 19 of 29 in the circle. Uh, actually, clearly and far away the best uh, Kings player in the faceoffs uh, tonight. Uh, number two in faceoffs, Kempe with six of ten, and uh, following behind, behind him, Mike Amadio in that fourth line role, uh, three of six. Uh, other stats that are of interesting tonight, uh, really, uh, Stevens did a very good job of spreading ice time uh, amongst defensemen. Uh, Paul Ledoux actually had the least amount of ice time, uh, 11 minutes, 57 seconds, just about 12 minutes of ice time for Ledoux. And uh, if you take away Dowdy, who uh, had 24, close to 25 minutes, uh, all the other Kings defensemen uh, right around the 20-minute uh, 20 mark. So uh, Folan, uh, 19 and change. Gravel, 19 and change. Uh, Martinez, 19 and change. And then Muzzin with a, like, 22. So got to really love that balance. And once again, when we project, uh, you know, what happens if Forbert comes back, I'll be honest, I don't know if Forbert's going to outseat at this point if the Kings' defense plays uh, against Nashville like they played tonight. I don't, I don't think Forbert unseats anybody. I don't, see, I don't think Forbert's clearly better than Folan at this point. And uh, pairing Gravel with Dowdy, I mean, let's be honest, when we all started talking Forbert as legit NHLer, it wasn't so coincidental that he was playing with Dowdy, and now we see Gravel playing with Dowdy, and he's looking like a solid NHLer. But uh, once again, provided the Kings can decor, can play like they did tonight, I don't think Forbert is clearly heads and tails above any of all of those other players, Sands, uh, maybe Ledoux, just for the experience factor. Uh, fair point, uh, Mr. Duarte? Yeah, I'm the type of guy, again, the superstitions, uh, whether they're real or not. They're real to me, damn it. And uh, I don't like messing a, like messing up a good thing, right? If it ain't broken, don't fix it. And if the Kings are now winning, and you know, winning three out of their last four, Forber comes back from his injury, I really don't want him to mess with the chemistry that's working right now. So I don't want to see Leduo. I don't, I don't want to see Kevin Gravello. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Forbert does get back in there because he does have more experience 
uh, than the other two. So I wouldn't be surprised, not saying I agree with it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Stevens decided to do that. Uh, but I really feel like the only person who can come back and you have to make a change because the chemistry will only get better, of course, as you mentioned before, is Jeff Carter. Derek Forbert doesn't have to be that guy because what they had today, if the Kings can keep playing the way they played today against a, a highly offensive team with the Dallas Stars. Let's not forget, like, they have a lot of weapons to score on that team. And apparently they have improved defensively than, say, where they were last year, but they're not the best defensive team uh, in the NHL. But they can score, and the Kings shut them out. That tells you a lot. And as, as you also mentioned, you know, Dowdy playing with Forbert, Forbert playing, the, you know, playing great while well, he's partnered with Drew Dowdy. Kevin Gravel's playing great while well, he's partnered with Drew Dowdy. Jake Muzzin makes a big comeback probably because he got partnered with Drew Dowdy. Mark Hardy can come back out of retirement and put him with Drew Dowdy. Jay Wells put him with Drew Dowdy. They're good to go at their age right now. Why? Because they're playing with Drew Dowdy. That's why he's one of, if not the best defenseman in the NHL today. That's what great players do. Someone like a Wayne Gretzky can carry uh, someone and, 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 you know, help them get 20 to 30 goals, and then they get traded away, or Gretzky goes on to another team, and that player never even reaches those heights ever again. Uh, that's what great players do. You play great because you're with their greatness. So Forbert, you know, I like Forbert. I think he's a good player. He's come a long way. He's a lot stronger you know, than he was last year, obviously more experience and everything, but I don't think he's the answer. So what I saw today, I loved, because as you mentioned, it was really spread out with ice time. Uh, Stevens trusted every man on his defensive unit. All six guys played a lot. Like Ledoux playing 12, 13 minutes, whatever it was, 11 minutes, 12 minutes, that's a lot. That's a lot for a kid who just came back up from Ontario. It shows that Stevens has his trust in these guys. And when they have a game like this and they shut down one of the best offensive teams in the NHL, um, yeah, it, it's working and the chemistry is there. Please don't mess it up. So if Forbert does come back, say, against Nashville, I say let him sit down, keep these guys going until, you know, until something goes wrong and then play around. So I, I like what you're saying, Hip, but I wouldn't be surprised if Stephen decides, ah, I want the more experienced guy in there. Hip, are you there? Okay, I think I lost Hip Check. I can't hear you, Hip. But we do have a caller. I'm going to bring on a caller. Area code 440. You're on LA Kings Road Talk Radio. How are you? All right. Hey, Jeff, I'm sorry. Hello? I'm back. Was that uh... – Hello? Hey, Jeff. This is... There you are, Hip. Yep. Yeah, I'm back. Go ahead, though. Caller. Yep. Okay. Area code 440. You are on the air. LA Keys Road Talk Radio. Hey, how you guys doing tonight? Is this Jerry? Yes, it is. Uh, we're doing very Jerry? well, sir. How are you? Yeah, we, I'm we doing can hear good. you. Doing good. What do you think? Okay. What's that? What's that, Jerry? Uh, I said okay. Okay. So, what'd you think of the game, Jerry? What'd you think of the performances? Oh, it was great. It was it was great to see him play a full 60 minutes tonight. Not uh, you know not going to a shell. I, I was kind of afraid they were going to come out in that third period playing like they were trying to protect that two goal lead, and it was good to see him get that third goal right away and. Uh, pissed Ben Bishop off the way they did. And, 
get into his head a little bit tonight, which was which was nice to see. It was just it was just a well played game all the way around. It's one of the best played they've played in a long time and coming out of that little slump that was that was really nice to see. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um any players that stood out for you? Who did you think were the best players, uh, in your opinion, that you saw today, Jerry? Uh, I liked what Ledoux was doing. I liked what um, Kempe was doing. Uh, I think I think Dottie played a better, smarter game tonight. Yep, you know, sure. He may have had a little frustrate. He may have had a little frustration from the from the skills competition, which he probably should have. But uh, <laughs> he he didn't uh, he didn't take one of those characteristic Drew Doughty stupid penalties from frustration. So right. you know, that was good. Uh, Kemper was just lights out tonight. There were no you know he he wasn't giving up rebounds. He was uh, he was controlling the puck well. It was he was always in the right place at the right time. It, it was uh, amazing. And I had that game on yep. the stars feed because I get that East Coast bias from center ice where I only get the Kings broadcast when they're at home. You don't get the Fox Sports West feed on center not, ice? Not if, not if they're on the road. I mean, uh, it's it's weird. There'll be like three channels showing the Devils game or the Rangers game. And then as you get out right. towards the Central and the West Coast, you only get one and it's usually the home team. Wow, so very interesting. I get, I get center ice as well. Uh, I don't know if it's different just because I'm in Canada. I, I'm not too sure, but I could be. I get the Fox Sports West, and I, obviously, obviously that's what I want to listen to because nothing irritates me more than listening to the other commentating team. There's some really good ones out there, to be fair, but like I don't yeah. want to be stuck with Brian Hayward, you know. And as much as I love <laughs> no, Dennis no, Potvin no. as a player. You know, an amazing defenseman, Hall of Fame player for Stanley Cups. Dennis Pompton annoys me uh, like almost as much as Hayward, almost as as a broadcast yeah. as a commentator. So I totally get that. You need you need well, Foxy and Faust, right? You, you need those team. guys. Right. You you know. Right. And if it's a, if it's a fuller night, then as it gets out to those West Coast games, all I'm going to get are the home teams. I don't know what it is. It could, it could be because I'm so close to Pittsburgh and Buffalo, and I've got Columbus yeah, and could, Detroit up up north of me where I'm at. But yeah, it could be a market thing. But uh, all right, well, well, uh, Jerry, any predictions for the uh, for the Nashville game? Anything the Kings are going to do? That's going to be a tough one. That's going to be a tough one. It's it's great that they had such a good game to go into it and to, to go in on a high note and uh, the dads will all be going with them. The families will all be going with them. So that, you know, you know, maybe that was part of, of how they played tonight. Uh, but Nash- Nashville is always tough to beat. And uh, yes, they are. Had our, we've had our struggles with Nashville. So that that's going to, that's going to be um, a good one to watch, but I'm going into it a lot more confident than I was last week. That's for damn sure. Yeah, sure enough. It's same with me. So, yeah, thanks, Jerry, for calling in. Always a pleasure. Oh, we always appreciate your support here, uh, coming onto the show, supporting the show, helping plug the show, sir. So thank you so much again, and go Kings go, Jerry. Go Kings go. Talk to you guys after the Nashville game.
All right, buddy. All right. All right. Hey, Jeff, uh, we have not done our three stars yet, have we? No, we have not, Hip. Let's yeah, do I it. I suppose we ought to. Yes, we ought to get to that. Go ahead and play uh, any type of crazy music there that you can, Jeff, just to get us started. <laughs> I, I, I knew which one I wanted. I had, I had to look for it, but I knew which one I wanted. Here we go. Let's go. All right. Three stars music here. There we go. Yes, love it. All right. Uh, for you newbies to the show here, we do our three stars, and when we do our three stars, we select them ourselves because normally the people that are electing the three stars are guys like uh, the aforementioned Brian Hayward, and we have very little tolerance uh, for Mr. Hayward or people of his ilk. Therefore, uh, we actually come up with uh, our own three stars to honor the Kings and occasionally maybe an opposing player if there's something uh, particularly noteworthy, but... We select this on our own. We do not use the media's officially, uh, official line. But we'll go ahead and start with the honorable mention. We uh, easily could have given Dowdy one, uh, you know, of any of those, those first three stars. But he is on here so regularly. And as Jeff mentioned, he is a superstar. I don't think he is going to lose sleep uh, by us not giving him an official three star. So uh, he is our honorable mention. <laughs> We have a tie for the third star, and uh, we uh, had given going to give it to Paul Ledoux. Once again, first NHL goal. Congratulations to the young man uh, there for his first NHL goal, especially on Dad's night. How cool is that? Dad sees there for his first goal. I mean, really, you just can't write that any better. But the other player that, uh, crazy enough, we did not talk about all tonight, Dustin Brown. And here is your stat about Dustin Brown. We talked about how he got in front of uh, Ben Bishop, probably a big reason why uh, that Dowdy shot went in. But Dustin Brown had 11 shots tonight. Count them. 11 shots on his own. Uh, More ironic, too, and this is just once again really the beauty of hockey. Didn't have a goal or an assist, but had 11 shots. And clearly a catalyst for the game. I mean, he was all over the place, but... Once again, that's the beauty of the game of hockey is that a player like that could end up, uh, you know, being held scoreless. But I can guarantee you in the locker room, he was probably getting them the high fives all around uh, from his teammates for that effort. I mean, Jesus, 11 shots on goal. Uh, you know, and I, I don't know if there's a record. I wonder what, uh, as a matter of fact, Jeff, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go ahead and uh, give uh, stars number two and one. I will look is uh, the season high for most shots on a goal this season by one player. So go ahead and you take the helm, buddy. All right, no problem. So our second star of the game, and as Hip mentioned, it was really hard to to pick three stars because so many Kings players played so well today. But we decided to give the second star to the captain, Andre Kopitar, who was outstanding tonight offensively and defensively and in the face-off dot 66%, uh, two assists, a plus one, four shots on goal, 22 minutes and 13 seconds of total ice time, 22 minutes and 13 seconds of Chuck Norris-like badass hockey playing. Andre Kopitar, the captain of our second star of the game and well-deserved. And we already mentioned earlier on the show, 
how Kopitar contributed to Paul Ledoux's first ever NHL goal. Because if Kopitar has the puck, the other team is going to try to get the puck off him to the point where Dallas freaked out so much they put three players to cover Kopitar, and it still wasn't enough. And the puck still ended up on the net uh, or into the net, and that's all because of our captain, Kopi. So number two star, well-deserved, Andre Kopitar. Now we Absolutely. go to the I'm number. Having... Oh, do, do... Sorry, sorry buddy. No, go sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm, I'm having a do... lot trying to find uh, uh, season season statistics just for shots in one game. Uh, probably because of Brian Hayward. There's some type of sabotage going on today in the studio tonight. <laughs> and I'm going to blame him because really, you know, we all know it's all his fault. Everything. But the number one star, the MVP of the game is, drumroll, coming up. The man whose role on the LA Kings team as the dot, 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 backup goaltender and he definitely doesn't play like a backup goaltender of course i'm meeting darcy kemper who was absolutely fantastic yet again in that for the los angeles kings 28 saves out of 28 shots cool calm collective as jerry mentioned as we talked about earlier in the show 1000 percent obviously save percentage for his second shutout of the season his seventh win this man has been an absolute Perfect pickup by rookie GM Rob Blake. Kudos to Blake, the Ellie King legend. We got Kemper now with seven wins, one loss, a 190 goals against average, two shutouts, and a 939 save percentage. Absolutely perfect in this game. Ladies and gentlemen in the kingdom, our number one star, Darcy Kemper. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I am getting no luck at all on this stat that I was hoping to find. Uh, but uh, I did I did have some uh, some pretty good uh, pretty good information. Right now, Alex Ovechkin is leading the league with 208 shots. So that's over you know 50 games or whatnot, 49, 50 games. So think Dustin Brown, 11 shots in one single game. Uh, definitely a, a pretty good uh, testament there. Hey, before we go ahead and get to the NHL scoreboard. Another stat that I wanted to share with you. And, Jeff, why don't you go ahead and uh, get the harp sound effect ready as we stroll through memory lane. Uh, but with uh, Alex Martinez's goal, uh, he passed Larry Murphy. There we go. Thank you. Passes Larry Murphy, Murphy for sixth all-time for L.A. Kings defenseman. Now, one of the things we do on this show that I don't know if other uh, podcasts do but we like to go into a little bit of L.A. Kings history. So I thought, why not delve into this Larry Murphy that uh, we speak of? So for you new uh, Kings fans, maybe younger Kings fans that listen to our show, uh, Kings generally were a franchise known for not making very good decisions. And the Larry Murphy story probably stands as a testament uh, to that. Uh, Larry Murphy was actually uh, drafted by the Kings and fourth overall, so a high draft pick, uh, actually came into the league right around the time Jim Fox came into the league. And so uh, Foxy and Larry Murphy and uh, 
I'm assuming Daryl uh, Daryl Evans and uh, probably Mark Hardy. Uh, we're probably all all pretty good friends there uh, coming on board. And uh, one of the things though that happened then was that uh, Larry Murphy uh, in his just his third or fourth season as an LA King, uh, I believe the LA Kings traded him for Brian Ingblom, if memory serves right. Uh, former broadcaster Brian Eamblom. and uh, But in true L.A. Kings fashion, uh, once again, he had played just three seasons uh, with the L.A. Kings and once again was spectacular in every season. Failed, never had a, never had a season that he scored less than 60 points, Jeff. Let, let that sink in. Yep. He never, on a team with the L.A. Kings, taken number four overall in the 1980 entry draft. High draft pick. Probably a, a fairly decent draft year, I'm going to imagine. Never failed to score at least 60 points by a defenseman in his first three seasons. And in the Kings' infinite wisdom, uh, they decided to go ahead and trade him to the Washington Capitals. And uh, what did Larry Murphy decide to do then after uh, he was traded from the LA Kings? Oh, he just went on to play another 1,300 games. <laughs> just just <laughs> 1,300 more games and score 900 points over his NHL career that culminated with him winning a, a couple Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins and another with the Detroit Red Wings. So uh, <laughs> can you imagine that, Jeff? I mean, here's a guy who did 60 points every season and the team decides to trade him, and he goes on to play 1,300 games, dude. That's just, that is just a great moment in King's history, is it not? Oh, George McGuire, the GM. Oh, George <laughs> McGuire. Oh, man. Yeah. We've had some horrible GMs manage our LA Kings, <laughs> and he was definitely – We'd actually have to sit down and really kind of break things down to see who was the worst of all time in LA Kings history. We've had some real bad ones, but trade away Larry Murphy, who went on to have a, a, a Hall of Fame career. As you mentioned, two, uh, four Stanley Cups, two with Pittsburgh, two with Detroit, but also two Canada Cups. He was a part of the 1987 and 1991 Canada Cup winning teams. And for those of you also who, who you know, never – were too young or never watched the Canada Cup. But that's the World Cup of Hockey now. It was the old Canada Cup. Now, Larry Murphy was a big part of Team Canada in 87 and 91 and is a part of history. When Gretzky passed to Mario Lemieux, Larry Murphy was the decoy that psyched out the Soviet defenseman in the final uh, with a minute to go before hitting overtime in a 5-5 tie. Gretzky passed it to Lemieux, but faked it like he was going to pass to Larry Murphy, which made the uh, the Soviet defenseman fall. Puck gets to Lemieux, Lemieux banks it, and Canada wins yet another tournament on a best-on-best format. But Larry Murphy, a big part of that team, and I got to meet Larry Murphy a few times at the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I, I don't think he ever remembers me each year because we take a selfie every year, and he's always awesome about it, but we almost kind of talk about the same thing over and over again every year, and I'm cool with that. But I always ask two things. Number one, number one, Murph, how did it feel to get traded away from the LA Kings? And he's like, I'm still bitter to this day. 
And that makes me happy because here's a guy who went on to have a Hall of Fame career and play a thousand games after leaving L.A., winning four Stanley Cups, two Canada Cups, going into the Hall of Fame. And he's still bitter that L.A. or George McGuire had given up on him. <laughs> and, of course, and of course, the second question is, what would he have done had him the puck? Because he was wide open, too. Instead of Mario Lemieux, and Murphy's answer was, obviously, I'd get the winning goal. And it's like, yes, you would have, Murphy, because you were an offensive juggernaut. So, yeah, Larry Murphy, one of the greats, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And once again, benefited from being on a lot of great teams. Jesus, take it. I mean, think he was on the legendary Detroit Red Wings when they were at their heyday, as well as the Penguins when they were in their heyday. I mean, great, great timing. I mean, George McGuire really did him uh, probably the best favor that he ever could uh, career-wise. So, Hey, uh, I wanted to go ahead, though, go around the NHL. Once again, the Kings got a little bit of help in some places, not so much in the other. But we're going to do the NHL scoreboard. Then we're going to do some other Kings news before we wrap this up. Uh, Boston Bruins didn't do the Kings any favors. Ducks getting past the Bruins 3-1 to one, uh, in that matchup. Almost had a scrap. Uh, Zadino Chara and Ryan Getzlaff. Man, I would have loved to have seen that. Had a little roughing there towards the end of the game. I uh, would have loved to seen uh, seen that. Uh, tied right now towards the end of the third, uh, Avalanche three, Canucks three. Uh, once again, to kind of hope Canucks can maybe pull that out and give the Kings a little bit of hand as the Avalanche is in that wild card hunt too. Uh, over in the Eastern Conference, we got the Devils three, the Sabres one. Uh, Jordan Nolan nowhere to be found on the scoreboard. Uh, Panthers four, Islanders one. Uh, kind of a kind of a surprise there. Uh, with uh, the Islanders just really such a, a fun team to watch. This Matthew Barzell, nothing short of uh, of amazing. Uh, going down the list, two Hurricanes, two Senators, one in the no one gives a shit ball. Uh, Penguins doing things <laughs> a favor, uh, upsetting. Uh, well, I don't want to say upsetting, but Penguins beating the Sharks five to two. Uh, Malkin with the hat trick, but once again. Not a good sign, as we talked about previous, with uh, with uh, the injury to Joe Thornton. Uh, kind of, you like to see a team try to, you know, everyone suck it up and try to still put out a, a pretty good effort. But uh, first game in the uh, post George Thornton, uh, Joe Thornton era, uh, not off to a good start. Which once again actually really does benefit the Kings. Never like to see an injury, but it definitely, without a doubt, helps the Kings. Uh, Wild uh, over the Blue Jackets, three to two. Uh, Blues over the Canadians, three to one. Hawks over the Predators, two to one. Thank God it was at least in uh, in regular regulation. Uh, Jets over the Lightning, three to one. And uh, really the big uh, the big game that we were all watching and scoreboard watching. Uh, Vegas passed the Flames, four to two. Flames actually had a two one lead going into the third period. Three unanswered goals by those pesky Vegas Knights. Uh, once again, as much as uh, yeah, we'd, we'd hope the Kings could maybe win the, the Pacific, uh, they actually do the uh, the Kings a favor here by uh, beating Calgary. Once again, now Kings three-way tie uh, for second in the Pacific. And uh, once again, as we do a little prognostication, tied with San Jose. Uh, San Jose with one game in hand, but once again, you have the Thornton injury. Uh, tied with Anaheim, win tonight uh, leaves them there. But once again, Kings have one fewer game played than Anaheim. And Calgary, 
with that loss. One point behind all three with uh, just as many games as the Kings have with 50 games. And I was thinking about this too, Jeff, before I get into other Kings news. Should we uh, – is, is, is it a sign of uh, something we should boast about or be ashamed about that the Kings have one Pacific Division championship in their entire history and Vegas is going to get one on their first year? You know what, Hip? It doesn't bother me whatsoever. Um, I could care less about winning division titles, like being first in your division. And, you know, we know the Kings have only won once, and that was way back in 1991 in the old Smythe division. But to me, I could care less. I think Dustin Brown, he was asked that when the Kings took on San Jose in 2014 in the epic came back from 0-3 series. Uh, We know how that uh, playoff run ended, but I remember uh, I remember who asked Dustin Brown. Of course, Dustin Brown was still captain at the time. But they had asked him when you go to the SAP Center and you see all those divisional banners up in San Jose. You know, a team that has never won the Stanley Cup and at that time had never made it to the Stanley Cup final. Um, like, and you go to LA and you guys just have a couple of banners, right? Like. Well, how does that make you feel? And Brown did the most perfect, perfect answer. He's like, "Yeah, we have less banners, but we got the only we got the banners that count the two st- or the Stanley Cup banner, right?" And then they ended up getting a second Stanley Cup banner. So it doesn't matter if you have twenty, uh, you know, Pacific Division, Smythe Division, Norris Division, whatever division. Like, really, who cares? All that is, it's just dressing for the arena. It just looks fancy, but it's almost like counterfeit money. It looks good, but it's worth nothing. What matters, of course, is the Stanley Cup banner, which L.A. has two and San Jose has none. So they can go around that arena or, or Vegas. They can be proud. Remember, uh, Arizona won the Pacific Division in 2012, and I think that's the only banner they have up. Uh, and they did a whole ceremony <laughs> for it and everything. For, for winning the Pacific, I find that insane. It's, it shouldn't be about that. It might be a nice little bonus, but really, who cares? It's about the Stanley Cup and only the Stanley Cup and nothing but. Yep, I, uh, that's a good, good, good point. Hey, real quick, you had mentioned uh, with Dowdy's uh, 100th NHL goal, uh, he passes Steve Duchesne on the uh, all-time uh, Kings leader list. Dowdy now in number two, the second spot, just uh, tra- trailing uh, Rob Blake uh, for the all-time goals by a defenseman. And once again, hats off to Steve Duchesne when they mentioned his name. I always think about when he was nice enough to come on the show, and we had a great oh, chat yes. with him, great guy. Man, that was, that, was a fun, that was a fun night, as was our night with Steve McKenna. We should uh, get him back on the air because <laughs> yep. uh, we had a, a lot, lot of fun. So. All right, let's go Absolutely. ahead and some other Kings, other Kings news before we wrap it up. Uh, let's go and start with Gabe Velarde. Uh, Gabe Velarde, oh, just nine points in three games over the weekend, including a five-point five game, uh, and uh, pretty amazing for Velarde. 23 points in 12 games since coming back from his injury. Uh, as we had talked about ad nauseum, Warren Reichel traded him, not that he didn't think he was a good player or a bad guy because he had assumed that there was no way in hell that he was ever going to play the next season in the junior leagues. And uh, once again, 23 points in 12 games for a guy that is actually coming off of an injury. Pretty damn impressive. And if you haven't seen any Gabe Velarde highlights, Go do yourself a favor. Go to the Kingston Frontenac's uh, website 
because they have a pretty good uh, video segment for where they recap every game. And you got to see this guy. Uh, we, we had talked a little bit about Mike Fuda, and somebody asked uh, about the Jason Allison comparison. And Fuda, without blinking an eye, said that Velarde was actually a far better player than Jason Allison was. And so uh, when nice. you go watch, uh, watch, yeah, when you watch the clips, it's, it's definitely amazing. King's really got a good one. And uh, it'll be, be interesting to see that uh, I think by all intents and purposes, I think a lot of people are anticipating he probably makes the team next year. Other uh, L.A. Kings prospect news, Cal Peterson, Ontario Rangoli, uh, actually uh, turned some heads in the AHL All-Star game uh, during the quick-fire, rapid-fire competition, stopping every single goal. Once again, go on, the, go on YouTube, check that out pretty impressive and the other thing though that i noticed about cal peterson when i read the write-up he's a waterloo native is that not where you're from jeff i am in waterloo ontario but i believe peterson's from waterloo iowa not the same place unfortunately waterloo iowa yeah isn't it really yeah yeah i'm gonna do a quick check here Okay, you got it. I didn't even know. I thought... Uh, yeah, now, now I have to know. <laughs> no, you you know what? Yeah, Water, Waterloo, Waterloo, Iowa. Waterloo, yeah. Iowa, USA. Yeah, because over here, if he was here, trust me, we'd be hearing about it uh, locally because one cool thing about living in the Waterloo region where I'm beside uh, Brantford, where Gretzky's from, where I'm by Guelph, where the Guelph Stormer from, where, where you know, Brownie and uh, Dowdy play the Kitchener Rangers, um, they are, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's not as big as Toronto, obviously, but it's a very proud sports region that when people born from here or who have played from here, they keep tabs with the local media here. So obviously not the mainstream news, but the local media. So Cal Peterson, we would have been hearing about him nonstop. And, and I've, I went to go look, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's American. I forgot about that. So it's a different Waterloo. <laughs> so, you know, unfortunately, I wanted to I, – I, trust me, I'm dying to tell people that the future of the Kings goaltending is from Waterloo, Ontario. But, uh, no, it doesn't fly. It doesn't fly, unfortunately. Okay, well, I heard he was from Waterloo, and I just assumed he was Canadian because, after all, you're never – when you hear about a, a hockey prospect, uh, Iowa's not really at the top of the list as, of where you think that he's from, you know. So, anyways, uh, yeah, Tom Peterson, uh, 11 and 9.913 uh, save percentage, uh, looking really solid, real solid prospect uh, for the Ontario Reign. Of course, Jack Campbell backing up tonight. So, uh, you know what? That's the beauty of the Kings, though, man. They always do so good. Uh, so good with their goaltending and bill ranford just does a, an amazing job so hey jeff i'll tell you what buddy uh, we have uh, now went over our one hour contractual obligation that we like to do so uh i'll tell you what i'm going to go ahead and let you wrap this up and uh we will be back uh thursday after the nashville game let's hope the kings can keep this juggernaut rolling and we'll be back with scores news commentary and oh so much more but we'll go ahead and let jeff sign us off and uh, thanks everybody for listening, Jeff. The floor is yours, and you get to uh, you get to pick your choice of closing closing theme song. 
All right. Thank you so much, Hip. And I know there's only one song I want to hear, and it's the Benny Hill song, but we don't have it. So I got the next best thing. Kings won tonight. Three nothing, two in a row, three out of the last four. So let's celebrate with our good friend, the King, because we're the Kings. The King poked up Elvis to finish off the night. Everyone, go Kings, go. And we'll talk to you on Thursday night. Fantastic, thank you. You're a beautiful audience, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Go, Kings, go. Oh, yes. Go, Kings, go. <laughs> 